we're going to have some gratuitous sex and violence. You guys always bring me the very best violence. No relationship. No emotion. Just sex. Everybody and welcome to another exciting episode of Gratuitous Sex and Violence, the podcast where we watch movies and play trivia and talk about them way too long and put all our listeners to sleep and everybody tells us <laughs> to shut the fuck up already. <laughs> what? No. No. I I think I think that brevity is the soul of wit and we are super witty. We are yeah, the opposite of breath. Hush. Hush you. My name is Orlando, and I'm joined by my guest co-host and now, sadly, former roommate, Ned. How's it going, Ned? Uh, it is going good. It is It is cold and nondescript here in upstate New York. It is, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you're joining me from a remote location. Yes, um, completely confidential. Uh, there's a bunker. There yeah, are you're in guards. a top secret meeting, so yep. we can't dis- yep, we can't tell anyone what's happening or all, else your life would be the, in terrible danger. All the usual suspects are here. Uh, it's, 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 it's big. It's big, big news. No, sad. No, actually, the truth is that sadly, because of circumstances regarding this uh, pandemic, we've had to uh, part our ways. But um, we still have the show. That's kind of our baby that brings us together, right? Yeah, yeah, it really does. Um, Yeah, it's it's been so great. Just like um, seeing, you know, hearing hearing the episodes as they come out. Um, It's it's been a lot of fun to. To, to, to just uh, you know remember all of our all of our various cinematic binge sessions and <laughs> and and all of all of the various states of incomprehension that my mind has been <laughs> twisted into um, it, given given certain cinematic circumstances <laughs> now we've actually I, I was going back through and and uh, and looking at the list of movies that we've seen and we've actually hit quite a nice variety of films that we saw. Yeah, yeah, we have a great spread. Um, you know, some of the movies are actually good, you know? Some of them are actually really good. Yeah, you're right. Um, it's crazy. Like, so um, we've had, we had 50, this is our the 51st episode, which would be like the season finale, but we, we have like 50 episodes of watching movies. I did have a few guest stars in some of them, but you and I together watched 41 movies over the course of the season yeah not bad not bad i i i do not generally watch that many movies i would say so um yeah it's been a it's been a very good uh it's been a very good year so what we're gonna do for this episode the gsv season finale (laughs) i i did not compose (laughs) that's yeah no So we're going to do something a little bit different. Instead of talking about one movie, we're going to do like a retrospective and talk about, you know, favorite moments from our movies, uh, movie from the movie watching in the season. Um, We're going to hit up like our favorite like violent moments, favorite sexy bits, uh, our favorite moments of problematic shit. Um, we're gonna play I, the, my my absolute favorite is any <laughs> moment that got problematic. All, <laughs> all the moments are problematic. Every moment, every moment's a problem. Um, and then uh, we're going to um, 
play some. We're, well, we're gonna play some trivia. We're gonna actually start out with the trivia, and we're gonna end with the first annual GSV Awards, which we nickname the Schlockies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ah, uh, the the most coveted, the most sought after of awards. I, I mean, to be it, sure. if this doesn't become like the Razzies and we have like celebrities knocking on our door to accept these personally, I'm going to be extremely disappointed. Oh man, Halle Berry, we promise we will totally do Catwoman if you will come <laughs> accept an award. We want to hear you tell us more truth. Oh, like, wouldn't please. it be awesome if like if Halle Berry came and did the episode of Catwoman with us? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. This is the thing. This is part of our build. This is part of our our, our plans for expansion. We will have we, we will totally absolutely have famous celebrity guests. Next we'll season featuring totally. guests <laughs> will actually happen. It guaranteed. Um so we'll get to the to all that good stuff here in a second. But first, let's start with what everybody loves. It's like probably the most favorite segment that we do and it is the trivia. Mhm. Uh, so, how, Ned, you found yourself more often than not in the hot seat during the trivia. Yes. I found I found myself there uh, a few times, and I know that it can be a nerve wracking experience. Tell us how you felt being on the hot seat so many times. <laughs> um, it, it really depended on the movie. I think one of the things that I found uh, is just that, like. Um, that, that like there there is something to be said for just like how the quality of the movie allows you to just like pick up the details and and like that the kind of the worse a movie was the worse <laughs> I did just because like your brain is working overtime to just try to make sense of everything that's happening mm. um, and uh, and so that's led to some pretty odd moments um, but. Uh, yeah, being in the hot seat definitely uh, has 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 been a a fun nerve wracking experience, um, especially when you have moments like uh, like uh, <laughs> like uh, Mister Pincushion Head or, <laughs> or or like moments when I literally forget that the L.A. Lakers is a team that exists. <laughs> you know, um, so you know we can't always predict how our brains are going to work, but you no. actually did pretty well um, on the trivia, all things considered. Um, okay. We did a tally of all possible uh, bragging rights that you could have won playing the trivia. And this includes the bonus questions. And sometimes there was one bonus question and sometimes there were two bonus questions. Yes. Um, But uh, out of a possible 259 bragging rights... That you collected 164, uh-huh. which means that your success rate was actually 63%. Not bad. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, would, it, would would that be a passing grade in, in the American school system? No, but... but <laughs> Depends on your school <laughs> district. <laughs> but, but hey, it's higher than half, so I will take it. It is um, higher than half. <laughs> Uh, and to give you a little more context about the, uh, the 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 trivia and how you did, it was very interesting going back and and kind of perusing, you know, which ones you did poorly on and which ones you did very well on. Um, the absolute best that you did, of course, you have a couple of perfect scores. You had only two episodes 
where you had perfect scores. And yeah, which movies were this? And actually, this is very interesting because both of the episodes that you had perfect scores were two bonus point episodes. So you actually scored a perfect seven out of seven in both of these episodes. That's very impressive. Yeah. The first episode that you scored perfectly on was Westworld. Who can forget the wonderful Western yarn? (laughs) I wouldn't have imagined that one, but but that's fascinating. Yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah. it was really, really good. And then the second one was Final Destination. (laughs) Ooh. Ooh. I loved that one. You did. I I did love that one. Well, and also, I think think Final Destination is actually kind of a perfect example of that because, um, because of just, like, how the film... Like, I think one of my favorite things about the film is just the complete sense of menace about the everyday world that right. the film evokes. Like, right. the film, like, like if you are an agoraphobic person, I'm guessing that film is not the film for you because <laughs> it's just, like, it makes it makes everyday existence, like, look just horrifying. Yeah. And and so so I, I think there's a way in which details in that movie probably just stood out much more to me because it's like, oh, fear this thing too, and also fear this thing. Like so um so that that's really funny. That that's one of my perfect ones. So you also did, you know, pretty poorly uh a few times. I, Not I, very often. You yes. never you never scored a zero though. Okay, good. You never scored a zero, so you should be proud about that. The lowest you ever scored was a two. Okay. Okay. How how many times has that happened? You sco- you did that three times. Two okay. of which was a two out of six, and once was a two out of seven. Mm. The first time you scored a two out of six was when we watched Death Stalker. Ooh, <laughs> the, the classic Ooh. campy sword and sorcery tale. <laughs> Yes. Yes. <laughs> Who can forget? <laughs> oh yes, I remember um that was that was the one where I, I, I failed I failed the question about the three powers yep. thinking that they were the one power. <laughs> because um, because the details in that movie didn't matter. Come on, let's yes. be honest. It's it's like uh whose line is it anyway? Right. The the points don't matter, nothing matters. Mr. Stalker first name death. Exactly. The second time that you scored two was actually two out of seven, and it was when we watched the film Anaconda. Ooh, okay. That rousing South American river adventure. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one, I, I I actually, like, that one was one of the more recent ones that we watched, and mm-hmm. I actually still don't remember a lot of what happened in it. Yeah, it's it's actually pretty forgettable now that you think about it. Um, the, the the crazy thing about that when I was like looking uh, listening through the trivia again is that actually that one was a pretty hard quiz I'm not gonna lie <laughs> yeah. okay like you one of the questions that you missed was uh, who was the uh, the underwater French uh, um, scientist ja- Jacques Cousteau I'm like oh, come on Orlando this is not a PhD dissertation yeah <laughs> no that, that one was fair though I mean I think it, it, it was I think that was a fair question Jacques Cousteau, yeah, like that's that's one that, yeah, I I think generally one should be able to answer that question. I mean, so it was I, mentioned in the movie, but still. Well, exactly, that's the thing too. If it was in the movie, it was absolutely fair game. So. And then go. the last time that you scored a two out of six was actually uh, very recently. It was when we watched Big Trouble in Little China. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Well, that 
Yeah, Big Trouble in Little China is such a weird one because I really liked the movie, yeah. but it was such a chaotic movie. Yeah, it and really like, was. So many different things were going on. Um, and it's like, I think, like, you know, John Carpenter is a really great director. So, like, he managed to, like, he managed to make the whole movie flow pretty well. Right. But, like, it. But yes, so much happens in it. Um, My favorite part of the quiz was uh, when you couldn't figure out Alice in Wonderland, and then when Alice, in, when I said the answer was Alice in Wonderland, you were like, "Yes, I remember that scene now." <laughs> yeah, no, it, yeah, it, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm sure that happened a lot. Um, <laughs> uh, but anyway, so today we're gonna do trivia a little bit differently, okay? Because okay. uh, I'm not going to ask you any real specific questions from movies. Uh, today's trivia, I call it Quotal Recall. Ooh. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Uh, and, um, you know, we both love, uh, we both watched a fair amount of Paul Verhoeven this year, so... I thought it was right to homage him a little bit, even though yeah. we even though we didn't watch Total Recall. But the way this is going to work is, I am going to give you, you know, when you watch a movie, one of the things that makes movies memorable are great quotes. So, of course, yes. so I'm going to give you a quote from a movie that we watched during our season, yeah. and you have to guess. You get actually one. You get points two different ways. You get a point if you can tell me the name of the movie. Okay. But you get a bonus point if you can tell me the character that says the okay. quote. Are you ready to play Quotal Recall? I am. Yeah. <laughs> Here we I'm go. Totally, yeah. Quote number one. And, and and just as a little side thing, I'm going to, whenever possible, I am going to try to imitate this as best as possible in the spirit of how it's used in the movie. Good. Good, cool. And and so I get the bonus point if I can name the character. The character, yep. Okay, great. Quote number one. Mm-hmm. We'll tear your soul apart. Ooh. 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 We'll tear your soul apart. Um. Ooh. This. Hmm. My... My gut reaction tells me that it might be one of the, uh... It, it sounds so familiar. It sounds incredibly familiar to me. I, I just just to let you know, I did try to order these from least difficult to most difficult. Oh, yeah? You put the... You put the you put the you put the difficulty curve into effect for this one too. Yeah, so the, um, I thought this was the easiest one. Oh my god. This is this does not bode well. This does not bode well then. Um okay, I'm going to say tear your soul apart. Uh I am going to say this one was I'm going to say, <laughs> I'm going to say this was Deathstalker. And I'm sure that's wrong, but... Deathstalker is not the correct answer. Okay. 
Yeah. Um, so I'm going to give you the name of the movie, and I'm still going to give you a shot at the bonus if you can name the character after I've given you the name of the movie. Yeah, this is good. this is probably going to like kill me when <laughs> when you tell me because because the name sounds because it sounds familiar, but like of the movies I'm most familiar with on the list, it 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 doesn't stick out to me. So so I'm sure that this is going to be agonizing. The correct um, movie is Hellraiser. Of course. In which case, in which case, um, I think it was said by Mr. Pincushion. Correct. It's Pinhead. Okay. Good. Okay. Great. Got some habsies. Yeah. Okay. Hellraiser. Hellraiser. All that, right. That absolutely is a movie um, on this list, which we both enjoyed. We both enjoyed Hellraiser quite yes, a bit. Yes, I really liked Hellraiser. Wholly disturbing, but um, yeah. But really good. Okay, here comes here comes uh, quote number two. Yes, and it only gets harder from here. Uh, so. I hope it only gets harder. Woo. We'll see. Mm. All right. I, I don't, but... <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to try to do a, an accent for this one, but this is a fairly long quote. Here we go. There was me, that is Alex, and my three droogs, that is Pete, Georgie, and Dim, and we sat in the Corova milk bar trying to make up our Rusadukes what to do with the evening. Oh, well, that's uh, that's a clockwork orange. Yes, a clockwork orange. Yes, I mean, I mean, once you once you know one Droog, you know them all. So. <laughs> and who said the quote? Uh, well, uh, uh, well I, I, I'm guessing it's Alex because he's saying it's me, Alex. Yeah, that um, was way so. too easy. Yeah, <laughs> the quote so, says yeah. it's me, Alex. And you didn't put that one first? <laughs> <laughs> I honestly thought Tell Your Soul Apart was way more... I don't know. Whatever. Maybe. maybe. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Tell Your Soul Apart, yeah, it was a very epic line. So <clears throat> it, it should have it struck fear and wonderment in my heart. Okay. It didn't, so... Um, here comes question, uh, quote number three. All right. I have the power. Oh, <laughs> uh, that is... Uh, he-Man from Masters of the Universe. Correct. Yes. Masters okay. of the Universe. He-Man. Okay, we're finding we're finding our groove. P- played uh, quite uh, deliciously by Mr. Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Yes, it was Dolph Lundgren. Yeah. Oh boy. Um, we had a, we I, had I, fun I watching thinking, these movies. He, He-Man. You know. Was, uh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, all, all I was going to say was, honestly, I think the only thing I really remember from Masters of the Universe is, uh, is Frank Langella's uh, That's what I was about to say. Frank Langella is spectacular in that movie. And yeah. I and I almost chose a, a Skeletor quote, but then I was like, nah, if we're doing He-Man, you got to do I Have the Power. Yeah, no, I mean, I think I think I, I appreciate it because I, I, I would probably have had a harder time with uh, with one of the Skeletor quotes, even, even, even with how much they strike in my soul. So um, I guess... I I forgot to say this at the beginning, but these these are fifteen quotes total. So that was quote number three. Here comes okay. here comes quote number four. Yes. Uh, quote number four is he must have thought it was White Boy Day. It ain't White Boy Day, is it? <laughs> um, that is from uh, True Romance. Yes. Written by our our most unproblematic <laughs> screenplay writer ever, Quentin Tarantino. Correct. Um, <laughs> and um uh, uh uh ooh 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 um the do, do I get partial credit if I can name the actor? I'll give I'll give you half I'll give you half a bonus point if you can name the actor. <laughs> 
Okay. Um, okay. It's it. Well, the character is played by Gary Oldman, mm-hmm. and um, uh, but but I I can't but I can't for the life of me grab his name. So it was Drexel Spivey. Drexel Spivey, and it was the that was the character played by Gary Oldman. Correct. Right? Yeah, Gary yeah. Oldman. Drexel Spivey. Nice. Yeah, True Romance is a is a great movie, but uh, a lot a lot a lot of very memorable quotes in that movie. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean that's that's Quentin Tarantino for you. Like mm-hmm. he just he he whatever his other shortfalls, um, he he certainly he certainly has a fantastic ear for dialogue. So, all right, quote number five. I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna try to do my best impression of of this person because uh, you got You gotta do it. You gotta do it. Right. I appreciate. Here this. we go. Yes. Uh, I have to admit, you know, I, I I did a fair bit of masturbating when I was a little younger. I used to call it stroking the salami. Yeah, you know, pounding the old pud. I never did it with baked goods, but you know your uncle Mort, he pets the one-eyed snake five to six times a day. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. Um that is uh that is American pie. Correct! <laughs> that is absolutely American pie. Um uh I'm I'm blanking on the name. But it is the character played by Eugene Levy. This is kind of a trick question. Um, I don't know. I can't really tell you how it's a trick question. But if you can maybe give me what type of character he plays in the movie? Well, he plays he plays the uh, he plays the father of the of the main character. Um, so so he plays Jim's. He plays Jim's dad. There we go. That's there we go. The character's name is Jim's dad. Oh, really? Okay. Yep. So, so they never actually go with a real full name for him. His character name is just Jim's. Yeah, dad. Yeah, Jim's dad. Okay. Well, thank you for thank you for helping me remember Jim's name. That that striking, totally totally unique protagonist. Of course. Wait band's name, Jim. Um, Eugene Levy, of course, was one of the breakout performances uh, of the movie. The other one was Stifler. And that was one of those movies where I think that we both went in, or at least you went in, really expecting it to to just like just be terrible. And even though we both gave it so-so ratings, we actually were surprised by the amount of heart that that movie had. Yeah, I agree. Like, I, I think, I think American Pie is actually much more wholesome than you would expect. Um, I think, it, you know, it's it's one of those things where I think it's it, it obviously it obviously kind of like sort of created a template for a lot of comedy for for like a whole generation or two of comedy mm-hmm. that would follow it. And obviously, the comedies that came from it became much more focused on like the grotesque humor and and you know weird sexual whatever but i do think like the original american pie like yeah it actually does have an earnestness to it and and has a fair bit of heart it, you yeah. know even 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 if there is a bunch of problematic very stuff very sure. problematic stuff. um yeah so uh, so that was something i appreciated i, I let, let me just tell you though about my journey when you were doing <laughs> Okay. You were doing this question for me because okay. at first, um, at first, I I was certain that your impression was actually an impression of uh, Jimmy Stewart <laughs> from 
vertigo. <laughs> and so uh, imagine my surprise when I was like, did Jimmy Stewart talk about his uncle's <laughs> masturbation habits in Vertigo? I don't think he did. No, Vertigo was so a dark movie, but it didn't go that dark. <laughs> no, no. That would have been too much. That would have been um, way too much. Not, not even the birds could 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 reach that level of uh, existential horror. All right, you're doing you're doing pretty good. You're doing doing great. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think the real the real the real question here is whether uh, whether I can whether I can beat my batting average uh, from the season. So that's that is yet to be determined. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. We'll see. Uh, here comes number six. Mm-hmm. In America, everyone's a gynecologist. Uh, that is from Showgirls, and Correct. it is, uh, and it is one of the uh, the Japanese tourists in the strip club. Who's Correct. <laughs> Japanese tourist, also Japanese businessman, would have been an acceptable answer. Um, awesome. Cool. Yeah, and that, that's actually a quote that's translated because the the, the Japanese uh, gentleman says it in Japanese, <laughs> and then um, Kyle McLaughlin asks him asks that guy what he said, and then it's translated. So it's actually we we get it through osmosis that, <laughs> that that's what was said. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I I we we definitely had a lot of fun with the showgirls. Yeah. I think that 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 episode was a, was a really fun one to revisit. For it, sure. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. All right. Quote number seven. This is another movie that we both uh, really enjoyed. I'm not gonna try to do uh, an imitation here. I'm just gonna say the quote. Have you ever heard of invoking the spirit? It's what we call him, Manon. It's like, it's like you take him into you. It's like he fills you. He takes everything that's gone wrong in your life and makes it all better again. Mm. That is that is the craft which I did really love, mm-hmm. and in fact, I loved it so much that um I I made a point of showing it to my sister. Uh, oh, nice Halloween time. My sister was on this like epic this epic binge of just tons and tons and tons of Halloween mm-hmm. and like horror flavored movies, and so I was like, okay, we and are now gonna... and now you're an expert, sorta. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Yeah, I'm like I'm like oh yes, we yeah we we have to watch the craft uh, just because uh, she she loves um practical magic and uh-huh. uh and hocus pocus and mm-hmm. so i was like i've got the perfect third witch movie to add to that if we want to do like a whole witch trifecta and so, did she uh, like it yeah she really liked it um so i was i was really happy with that yeah. um and uh the character is nancy i'm blanking on her last name nancy downs like correct nancy downs. yeah she's the head of the head of the trio of of, of cool witch girls and she is still the coolest the she really is. Yeah. She yeah. She 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 rocked she rocked that that shit. Uh all right. Here comes quote number eight. This one's all kind right. of kind of a little meta wink here for our show. Mm-hmm. The quote says, All the sex and violence on screen has gone too far for me. I'm fed up with it. Filmmakers like George Romero and John Carpenter have to show some restraint. Wait a second. Hmm. That would have to be... Huh. Hmm. 
You know what? Okay, I'm gonna say, I think it's a meta quote, so this is more an educated guess because the quote's not standing out to me in terms of, like, memory, um, but I'm gonna guess that if it's such a meta quote, it must have come from a fairly meta movie, so I'm gonna say this quote is from Scream, and, um, but I'm not sure who says it. Scream is not the right answer. Well, balls. Um, shoot. Okay. Well, then, 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 yeah. Who, 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 who is it? So, or or what, what movie is it? It comes from the end of They Live. Oh, wow. A different level of meta. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. John Carpenter's (laughs) They Live. Uh, It happens at the end right before the movie ends. And and it's on the news when the uh, the newsman is interviewing a corporate expert who turns out to be a ghoul. Uh, And the ghoul is saying this quote right before we get the shot of um, the woman having sex with uh, another ghoul. That's right. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. Um that is brilliant. Um I completely forgot about that. But yes, you are right. Okay, here comes That's great. And and They Live is a is a great movie. We actually watched uh John Carpenter quite a bit. We watched uh They Live, The Thing, and uh Halloween and Big Trouble in Little China. We actually yeah. watched four John Carpenter movies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. John Carpenter was very good to this podcast. Yeah, for sure. All right, here comes quote number nine. Quote All right, number nine. I, I gotta try. I gotta try to, to imitate this guy. Hold on, let's see. <clears throat> All right, sloppy with your drink. Get this boy a bib. He needs his mama. Ooh, ooh, mmm. This is. I'm trying to. I'm trying to think of what your impression is of who your impression is. <laughs> maybe the it, maybe the impressions are 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 um are throwing you off. I don't know. No, no I, I I think no. I I think it, it helps. I think it's more helpful than than if I had no context. Mm-hmm. It, it it's try. It's sort of helping me place it a little bit. Uh, hmm. Get yourself a bib. He needs his mama. Like my first instinct is to say that is to say that it's like Arnold Schwarzenegger that you are going for there but I don't but I but that doesn't sound like something that's quite setting specific to Conan the Barbarian mm, yeah so um wait can you can you say the quote to me one more time sloppy with your drink get this boy a bib he needs his mama Uh, this is, uh, gonna be another somewhat uneducated guess. Um, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say it's Deathstalker for this one, because it, it, it feels like it could be the kind of thing that was said in Conan the Barbarian, but, but I think it's, it's, like, Conan the Barbarian didn't quite stray as far from it's setting as like one of the knockoff films would have. <laughs> so so that's my logical process for saying that it's Deathstalker. 
Um, Deathstalker is not the correct answer. Okay. Is it, is it Conan the Barbarian? No, it's not. Okay. Well, the that's, that's the answer is Westworld. Westworld? And Wait. it's it's said by the gunslinger played by Yul Brenner. Yes. Yes. Oh my god. Oh, that that kills me. Yeah. That that kills me. And okay, quite god possibly You're right. In quite possibly the best scene of the whole movie. Yes. It is the best scene of yep. the movie. It is the best scene of the movie. And I didn't fucking get the quote. God fucking damn it. Shit. I did a okay. poor I did a poor Yul Brenner impression, apparently. No, no. Again, this is this is this is like this is yeah, this is kind of like this is kind of like that time during Drag Me to Hell when the first question is absolutely a question I should have gotten right. Because the Lamia. The, the Lamia. Literally, it's the fucking Lamia. It's literally the centerpiece of the whole movie, and everybody says the same a million fucking times, and I didn't get it. It wasn't a hard question. I just got it wrong. Um, well, let's let's see if you can redeem yourself with this next one. This is another very memorable movie, end quote. Uh, <laughs> quote number 10. Yes. Let me correct you in a couple of things, okay? Aristotle was not Belgian. The central message of Buddhism is not every man for himself. The London Underground is not a political movement. Those are all mistakes. I looked them up. <laughs> that is um that is from a fish called Wanda. Correct. And, and it is um Oh god damn it. Uh it is Wanda. It, it is, is Wanda. Wanda. <laughs> Correct. I, I I I almost I almost was gonna have to go for the partial credit. Uh <laughs> because I was like, oh the character Jamie Lee Curtis plays, and then at the last moment I saved myself with wait, the title is Wanda <laughs> because there is a fish named Wanda who is also the same name as our hero. So yes. Thank yeah. goodness. Yeah, the, redeemed. The, redeemed. The, the amazing Jamie Lee Curtis, who we oh my god, who we yes. saw twice. We saw her in uh, Fish Called Wanda and in Halloween. Yes, yes, we did. But and she delivered. She's phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, she delivered that brilliant takedown of Kevin Klein's auto. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> in yes. a Fish Called Wanda. Oh, so good, so good. <laughs> And it also, that scene also had, like, I almost chose this other one. I thought this one was a little bit um, more memorable. But the other really great quote from that scene is when um, when she calls him an ape. And Otto is like, apes don't read philosophy. And Wanda goes, yes, they do, Otto. They just don't understand it. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. All right. So you got that one. Good job there. Um, Here comes quote number 11. There are no accidents, no coincidences, no escapes. You can't cheat death. That is Final Destination. Yes! Yes. Because it's literally a movie about being incapable of escaping death. Uh, to, to, to an almost embarrassing degree, one right. cannot escape death in that movie. Uh, and boy, boy, will it knock you about if you try. Um, as for who says it... Uh, 
I, I don't have any of the actors' names or any of the characters' names in my head, so I don't even think I can go for partial credit on on who says it. Um, I'm gonna, I'll just say, uh, I, I'm not gonna expect credit for this, but is it, um, is it, is, is it the, is it the main character who says it, the, the kid? No, it is not Devin Sawa's character who says it. I thought you might have gotten it because, um, it was a fairly, it was a small and a fairly memorable role. Uh, it was actually The Undertaker. Um, yeah. It was Mr. Bloodworth, but I would have taken Undertaker as, as part of the credit, played by Tony Todd. Yeah, who, who, who was Candyman. Who was in, um, in Candyman, yes. Uh, so, so, so I, I, I knew it was a notable role, but, um, but yeah, I just, I completely blanked on. No worries. Um, but you did yeah. get Final Destination. Yes, yes. Um, all right. So here we're rounding. We're coming into the home stretch. Uh, quote number twelve off fifteen. Okay. Here comes quote number twelve. <clears throat> you got to think about it like the first time you got laid. You just got to say, "Daddy, are you sure this is right?" Um. <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh. uh, uh uh hmm hmm there's like two different ways I feel like I could go with this mm-hmm I'm I'm gonna just give you my thought process here okay it it, it feels like it could totally be an orgasmo line. The problem is, <laughs> the problem is, I don't know who would have said it in orgasmo. Right. So the alternate is, I'm gonna go with Tank Girl because I think Tank Girl might have said it because she says, you know, she she says chaotic things like that throughout <laughs> the movie. So I'm gonna say it's Tank Girl spoken by Tank Girl. Correct on both counts. Boom. Yes, Tank Lots. Girl. There you go. Um, and and yeah, what a chaotic line indeed. Yeah, one one of her many memorable lines in that movie. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, played beautifully by Lori Petty. We of course, uh, Lori Petty. Also, we saw two. Tw- uh, you didn't watch the second Lori Petty movie, but on the podcast we watched two Lori Petty movies. We watched Tank Girl and Point Break, which I watched with my special guest Gabe on that one. But Ooh, um, nice. I I have not seen Point Break, uh, but that's that's up there for me, especially because um. I watched Hot Fuzz recently with uh, my sister. And, yeah, great movie. So, so yeah, that that definitely made me go. Oh yeah, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta dig out some of the many action movies that that film references. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun to watch. All right, quote number thirteen. Now again, right. these are going real. These are going harder, but you actually you got Tank Girl, so I I believe in you. Look, man. when when I'm under pressure, that's when I deliver. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, quote number thirteen. Yes. If Da Vinci was alive today, he'd be eating microwave sushi naked in the back of a Cadillac with the both of us. Uh, give me the quote one more time. If Da Vinci was alive today, he'd be eating microwave sushi naked in the back of a Cadillac with the both of us. It, it, it can't be true romance because we've already done true romance. Yeah, it does no sound like a Quentin Tarantino-esque line. <laughs> um, the only other movie that I can think of that has that kind of weird energy um, 
is uh, is Hudson Hawk. So I'm going to say that, but I'm not sure who said it. You're correct. It was Hudson Hawk. <laughs> um, and it's said it... by the character. Oh, do you want to take a guess? Mm, no, you go ahead. I, I, I have no clue. It was said by the character Darwin Mayflower, played by Richard E. Grant, one of the Mayflower siblings. Yes, yes. Yes, that was a crazy movie. Um, uh, insane movie. I have to say, though, uh, actually, in in spite of my love of its sheer insanity, I, I still actually don't remember a lot from it. Yeah, it's, it, it's so. very unmemorable. It's one yeah. of those movies that, like... But it shouldn't be. That's a thing. Yeah. It's a, a, which it, it puzzles me so much that it's like, it, it is so weird that this movie exists and I'm and I'm almost glad that it exists right. because of how fucking weird it is but also at the same time I remember nothing from yeah. it so yeah yeah <laughs> um okay we're coming down to our final two quotes oh jesus okay quote number 14 <sighs> number 14 this is a, a rather lengthy quote so I'm not going to try to do an accent or anything here it goes when i was growing up there was a bully in my hometown he used to terrorize everybody, but he wasn't the problem. He had a brother who was worse than him. He wasn't the problem either. One or the other was always in jail. Problem was when they were together. Alone, they were just bullies, but together, they were lethal. Wait, uh, hmm, wait. Oh, wait. Was this... Okay, I'm gonna... I have a gut re... I had a gut reaction that it was Pet Cemetery, but I'm actually gonna make my final answer The Ghost in the Darkness because I think the quote is much more fitting to what that film is actually about. So... I'm going to say it's The Ghost in the Darkness, and um, for partial credit, I'm going to say that it was uh, it was the Michael Douglas character who says it, but I'm blanking on his name. Correct! Yay! The Good. Ghost in the Darkness, and it was delivered by Remington, who was played by Michael Douglas. Remington. <laughs> Hell of a name. Uh, I, I, yeah, his... Yeah, I'm. I'm still so like troubled by how he basically like completely shouldered his way into like right having as significant a role in the movie as he did. Yeah, um, so fucking weird. Yeah, um, but but like, uh, but but interesting nonetheless. Um, very interesting. That that's another one of those movies that's like when you're watching it, you're like, okay, this is a, this is okay, this is fine, but then after you watch it, you're like, wait a minute, what happened in that movie? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, that one, yeah, that one I feel like I will want to revisit at some point, just because, like, that, yeah, there's a lot, there was a lot of really interesting, weird stuff going on with mm -hmm. that movie. Um, yeah, Jaws in Africa, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing, like, Jaws, Jaws above the sea, like, so... Yeah, it, it was very strange. Okay, and now we've made it to the final quote in today's Quotal Recall. 
Quoto Recall, which which sounds a little dirty almost. Uh, it does. I, I can't say why, but um, it, it the, sounds the, it's, the, it sounds close to scrotal week. Exactly. Yeah. So um, <laughs> this is the podcast for it. All right. Um, are you ready for quote number fifteen? Oh, yeah. Daddy, are you sure this is right? <laughs> Here it comes. How do you like your tea? Cream, sugar, or do you want me to pee in it? <laughs> uh, ooh. Huh. Give me give give me one more go at that quote. How do you like your tea? Cream, sugar, or do you want me to pee in it? There's like there's like one or two things that I think it could be. I'm going to I'm going to take a I'm going to take another sort of weird sideways half logic approach here. Mhm. I'm going to say Buffy the Vampire Slayer solely on the basis that that sounds kind of like a Whedon-esque type of it sounds like a Whedonism. Um but I don't know why. Um, that's that's my best guess. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I have no idea who says it. The answer is not Buffy the Vampire Slayer. The oh answer God. is society. Society. <laughs> Shit. Deep cut. Shit. Deep cut. Deep cut. Yeah, real deep cut. Um, and uh, yeah. and uh, it's spoken by the character Clarice in Society. My God. Yeah. Well, and Society was like one of the more memorable films too. Like, I so, mean, especially considering how early we watched it. That but. was our third episode, and I think that that was actually like the. The first episode that really felt like a quintessential GSV episode because it yeah, had that was, yeah, a that lot was of sex and violence. Out, yeah, that was where we figured out what our what our mission statement was. <laughs> I think. Um, yeah, absolutely. But it is very memorable, and of course, who can forget the Eaton College boat song? <laughs> oh, Jesus! Indeed, indeed. So, you actually did really good in that quiz. You got 11 right. You only missed four out of 15. And you got nine bonus points as well. Okay. So good job. You have excellent quotal recall. Yay. Thank goodness. Um, that's, yeah, I guess that, I guess that puts me, yeah, that puts me kind of a little bit above the average. Maybe, maybe not in terms of total possible points, but, um, certainly, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm mm-hmm. okay with that. The schools have not failed me. So we're going to go into the first of our GSV segments. This one's called Shots. 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 It's hard to do it when we can't see each other. <laughs> yeah, I know. We really, we really need that eye contact for the uh, for the rhythm to find the rhythm. We're talking about the gratuitous violence that we enjoyed over the course of this podcast. I wanted to ask you, which movie do you think had the highest body count? Ooh, ooh. Um, you know, uh, well, 
I do recall that, like, we didn't even bother, like, having a final tallied body count for um, King Solomon's Mines. <laughs> I remember that was one where we were just like, we, we can't even. Um, I think... I think... Uh, I'm going to say King Solomon's Mines, actually. Unless unless there's another one that I'm totally blanking on here. So, um, we did say that about uh, King Solomon's Mines, but as far as officially... Yeah, as far as ones we were able to tally, I'm not sure. Uh, the, the official one with the most was Blood Rain. Oh, Blood Rain. Okay. I actually would have thought, though, too, that um, uh, Ghost in the Darkness might have been a contender because that one, like, those those fucking lions <laughs> they really, do, they do, uh, really fucking fuck shit up. They um, do fuck shit up. But uh, Blood but Rain Blood had 102 confirmed bodies dying. Yeah, which was so weird, too. I, I think the Blood Rain one bugged me so much, too, because of how bad the fighting was. So bad. It's, it's like, you know, there was just like, there was no, there was no viscerality to it, no sense of, like, just real impact. Yeah. So it's like, y- you feel like nobody would have died from that fight. Nobody would have. But also, like, no, people did die. Like, the movie shows it. Yeah, but. it was terrible. What other instances of m- memorable violence did we have during the season? What did, What struck out to you? Um, well, uh, uh, we, we talked about it a little bit, but, um, Hellraiser just in general, like really stuck with me for just like, just like for how dark Mm -hmm. and surreal and unsettling that movie was and sort of how like kind of torture centric it was, but like, but like it didn't feel gratuitous, which, you know, maybe it's too bad for our podcast, but like it didn't feel (laughs) gratuitous like a, uh, like a Saw movie would have been, but like it still had this just like kind of deliberate, like torture dread because it was very artsy like it's very it's very fetishy but it's also very artsy yeah exactly and i and um, i think you even mentioned that when we watched it you were like saying how that was the up to that point the most artsy horror movie you'd ever seen (laughs) yeah pretty much um and and i think i think that still stands um and uh i i would also say that um i i was a really big fan of true romance overall um i thought that that movie um, just especially because I think like, um, I forget what the term was that you used for like the kind of Chinese movies that it evokes, um, um, um heroic bloodshed. He- yeah. Like a heroic bloodshed movies. Like I, I, I think that that aesthetic is actually something I'm just generally really into. And so, um, so I was a particularly a big fan of like the fight in the hotel between yep. Virgil and, um, uh, I'm liking on the, on the Alabama. Uh, Alabama, yeah, between Virgil and Alabama, uh, just because of like all the tension that builds up again, mm-hmm. courtesy of Quentin Tarantino's script, um, and then just kind of how it explodes into this like really intense, you know, this intense burst of violence, and you really are on like the edge of your seat for the whole thing until she finally fucking burns him with hairspray, which was awesome. That that scene um, is very memorable, and I also really dig the 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 other hotel confrontation between the cops and the and the mafia. Oh um, yeah, the, sta- the, stand the standoff. That, like that, just yeah. That that scene also, yeah, I really love. Just like yeah, how it's all slow motion, how there's just feathers everywhere. The feathers, yeah. It's yeah. it's a great great scene. Yeah. Um, another uh, well, movie that really struck out with me, like how the violence plays out, is of course um, a Nightmare on Elm Street. I really really yeah. dig the the violence in that. Um, 
especially like the the geyser of blood coming out of the bed whenever they suck in Johnny Depp's character through the yeah. bed. That's very memorable to me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, but yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street was definitely very memorable. Um, I, I really liked it. And, and like, I think, um, you know, again, we talked a bit about how, like, in a way, like, it's it's one that I've known about for a while, but, like, mm-hmm. never got around to because of, like, my initial, you know, hesitation at horror films as a younger person. Right. And um, so it's like there are many ways in which, yes, it, it turned out to be pretty schlocky, but also at the same time, like, you know, a lot of a lot of the ideas, though, in it and sort of like how the violence unfolds are definitely very like the, like the visual style of how they do it with like the geyser of the blood and right. um, like the, the scratches appearing on a person's skin were all like really well executed at the same time, too. So it, it definitely it definitely hits you with that impact when it wants to. And yeah, so I was I was really impressed with that. Um. I also really liked Final Destination, ah, yes. wise. <laughs> just, just again because of how it, like, you know, it, it, because it, it did, I think, do a really good job of, like I said, that whole sense of menace about the world, about mm-hmm. just like everything in existence is a thing to be feared, and and I think that like although like each. Um, Although each uh, each death is very ridiculous because it's just this complete like you know ridiculous chain of events that like unfolds, it, it got a little goofy. But at the same time, like just the payoff of like wow, that's a brutal fucking death. Like was was pretty pretty memorable. Um, I think like the the most the most violent in terms of like what you actually see carnage wise. I I think. Is still Starship Troopers, I think. Yeah, yeah, I love Starship Troopers. Yeah, it, it's, um, yeah, that, it's, it's just really, really violent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one's just so much fun. It um, is fun. Yeah, and 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 I, and I really like uh, it. I, I I think you and I kind of differed a bit on 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 how successful it was, but right. I, I did real I did really appreciate that it was a film that kind of delivers on the audience's expectation for blood right. while also at the same time like you know making a good commentary about about it being like you know propaganda and stuff mm-hmm. too so yep <laughs> all right let's go into the next gsv segment this one's called boob tube <laughs> talking about the gratuitous sex that we saw yes. over the season a lot of memorable sex scenes and nudity throughout the course of the season um but one movie really sticks out as the king or i should say queen of nudity and sex and that was of course showgirls yes absolutely i think um was show was showgirls our only nc-17 film or was orgasmo also oh yeah orgasmo was also nc-17 but but orgasmo had like almost no nudity at all (laughs) yeah yeah notably notably but yeah, Showgirls was our fourth episode, and uh, it basically was like, what was it? I remember that you said something about how after watching it for a while, basically, like the side of boobs becomes meaningless because there's just so much boobs. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, and especially because, like, again, it's like they they're clearly going for like. Yeah, they just like yeah they they show it, it, it's like everybody has like kind of like the same sort of body type of just that kind of like in in how the girls are built and 
and um and and they really just show it again and again and again and again to the point where there is nothing erotic about it too and it's interesting too because i think it's like there are definitely a a couple sequences in it that are meant to be erotic but Mm -hmm. also like that doesn't necessarily happen and and you're never really sure whether it's not erotic because of um because because Paul Verhoeven doesn't want it to be, which may be valid, or because he's trying to make it erotic, but it's not. And obviously yeah. the most the, <laughs> the most sensational example of that is the pool sex scene. Yep. Yep. Um with all that all of that uh, the thrashing. very wild thrashing. <laughs> yeah, literally thrashing. Um it's, hey. it's just it's yeah. Again, it's like I think if 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 I were, you know, twelve or thirteen years old and like, you know, it had very little exposure to the things of the world then that scene would 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 have been incredibly mesmerizing i'm sure but uh yeah as 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 someone who is wiser these days uh it it, it's 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 pretty goofy the most impressive thing to me still about the pool sex scene is that Kyle McLaughlin's character has floating champagne glasses. I still think that's classy as <laughs> <Yes>. fuck. <laughs> yeah, no, a real nice pool. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, with the palm nice trees pool. and everything. Oh, it's great. What other <laughs> um, notable moments of sex and nudity do we have? Um, I have to, I, I think we have to just kind of like give a shout out to both Argentinian um, low fantasy <laughs> films. For yes. Just like, for just like the, for, for, for uh, kind of similar to Showgirls, just like the, the sheer like gratuitous, just like every single female character is built exactly the same way yep. and their breasts are just exposed and that's just, that's just the way of their worlds. In, um, in fact, the warrior and the sorceress, the sorceress was one of the main characters and she was pretty much topless the entire time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's 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 pretty remarkable. Yeah. And it's like at first and at first you're wondering like, oh, is it because she's been kidnapped and the the bad guys just keeping her that way? But even after she's free, she's still just she's still just letting him fly. Yep. Um so so good for her. Good for her for <laughs> uh, you know, just really being willing to express herself, I guess, when I mean really really what's going on is the director had a crush on her. Yeah. That, oh that's not great. Very um, skeezy. At all. Very skeezy. Um yeah, very, very skeezy. Um what else? We also, else I, I, I think we have to like also give a shout out. If we're going to give a shout out to such like lowest common denominator filmmaking, I also want to give a shout out to um, two sex horror films that we watched back to back: Teeth and Jennifer's Body, which yeah. both were really heavy on the sexual content, but on on a completely different for a completely different reason. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and and I think and I and I really thought both films were quite excellent in terms yeah. of just like how they how they incorporated sex into horror, but also like were coming at it from right. that feminist angle, right? And and really much more making it about like the horror that is being a woman, exactly. Um, you know, coming into her own sexuality in in a hostile you know, patriarchal world. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think both films ultimately kind of arrive at that point, but, but through very different means. As yeah. Well. Very so, um, differently. Yeah, definitely. Uh, both, both really excellent films. Um, also in a way, I guess Hellraiser kind of fits the bill for like sex horror. As very well, fetishy. Because, yeah. <laughs> because, yeah, because of how, how keyed into like fetish and kind of like dominant submissive yep. power dynamics, um, really factor into the story. So I, I think, I think Hellraiser, actually is another really good example of like 
you know, sex in horror that's not merely just like, you know, the the female victim is attractive and naked and then will get butchered by the monster. I, I do appreciate that Hellraiser kind of actually had had more had a little more to say about sexuality than just like titillating the right. audience and giving us that weird mix of uh, gratification and and slaughter. <laughs> uh, American Pie is another movie that has a lot of uh, sex and nudity in it. Um, yeah. That one is kind of marred, though, because the most prominent scene featuring nudity was also one that we had a big problem with, both you and I. And that was yeah, when Shannon, Shannon Elizabeth um, is uh, being watched secretly by the entire school body, pretty much, through Jim's yeah. webcam. A very unfortunate scene yeah that's played for laughs yeah and it's played for laughs and especially because i think like uh, i think we were talking about how like behind the scenes there was also a fair amount of discomfort for the actress in terms of actually filming that scene too so it's just like it's 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 unfortunate that yeah it's it's unfortunate that that idea kind of you know (laughs) it survives And, and in a way i think that that kind of speaks to why American Pie was sort of the beginning of this whole generation of like yeah. kind of exploitative sex comedy that really kind of you know just goes at sexuality from a pretty toxic place. Um, it, it, even even if there's more heart to the film itself, like it's clear that like that scene that scene would kind of throw down the marker for kind of yeah toxic approaches to sexuality that very, would yeah you're absolutely right comedy for for many generations going forward you're absolutely right because i think like subsequent films took the wrong lessons from it um yeah, and the exactly. movie is really i mean i feel like without without that scene um, I would probably enjoy the movie overall a little bit better because it does have a surprising amount of heart. It's just that that scene is very unfortunate and it kind of brings the whole movie down a little yeah. bit. Agreed, agreed. Um, I, and before we move on to the next segment, I do just want to give a shout out. So this movie notably does not have um, a lot of sex or violence, but it does feature... One very sexy vampire hunter, and uh, her name is Selena, and played by Kate Beckinsale in Underworld with her tight leather. I mean, I just got to give a <laughs> shout out because I think that that's probably the sexiest heroine that we saw, that we encountered in the entire season. Shout out to Kate Beckinsale. Yeah, very gorgeous, very very gorgeous, uh, and 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 a pretty good performance. I, I have to say, very like, good I, I have to say, like, yeah, I, I in the midst of in the midst of all of our schlock, and and you know, I I, I remembered Underworld from my youth, mm-hmm. and and I'm actually kind of surprised how well it stood out for me. Like how how it's a fun movie. I think. Yeah, it's a pretty fun movie. Like, not the greatest per se, but like genuinely fun and also genuinely good world building. So, um, very, very impressive world building. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's go into our final GSV segment. This one's called Mm -hmm. Uh, That's Problematic. problematic. (laughs) Yeah. We're talking about (laughs) 
the problematic things that we encountered. We already talked about Nadia in American Pie, um, but what else did we encounter that was problematic? We encountered a lot of problematic shit, let's be honest. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, we had this, ses- this, this section for every episode, and um, we, we pretty much always had at least one thing to we talk did, about. Yeah. Some, some movies were better than others. Yep. Um, uh, I, 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 had to, I have to start with, I think, just the most broadly problematic film, which was King Solomon's Mind. <laughs> Um, that one, I think, was just a, a huge heap. That was just a huge heap of problems. Yep, yep. Um, left and right. Um, I, I'll still remember, though, even though even though we're, it wasn't about this film, I, I'll still remember um, several films later when we watched The Ghost in the Darkness and you guessed that the tribe that accompanied Remington were the Umbopo tribe. <laughs> yeah, that was not great. That was that was a, that was a very yeah. That was that was not my finest moment. That was a, a pretty a pretty poor white man moment for me. But yes, I, King I Solomon's Minds. Um, but yes, King Solomon's Minds. Just yeah. I mean, I think yeah. The 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 whole depiction of indigenous populations was awful um every character who wasn't white was awful you have the brown face you have like you have like the weird like pseudo rape jokes like just yeah um, yeah just uh, a whole a whole a whole mess of 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 offness from start to finish like i think i think it's just like the fact that it, it the the problems kept popping up throughout the runtime of the film. So you had just like a quantity of problematic material uh, in that, that one. That's a very, it's a very uh, interesting movie because it's almost, it's like a, like a schlockier version of an Indiana Jones movie. Yeah. But in a way it kind of like, it kind of like highlights how, you know, cause there's a lot of problematic shit in the Indiana Jones movies, obviously. Yeah. But it kind of highlights just how bad it could have been because, <laughs> A little bit, yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, like in a way, uh, yeah, it's it's almost like a good jumping off point because I think it's like, th- in in a way, the problems that are in Indiana Jones films are are you know the same problems as exist in King Solomon's Mines as well. Mm-hmm. And and while on the one hand, the Indiana Jones uh, films benefit from better writing and from a little more thought put into like mm-hmm. what the stories are, um, it also is clear that they are rooted in the same sort of like, right. you know, problematic colonial viewpoint. Right. Um, so so y- they are kind of the same problems. It's just kind of <laughs> one of them is also a, a very bad movie on top of it. So uh yeah, I just gotta so. say, for me personally, kind of kind of jumping off the same thing that you're that you're talking about, uh, the single most problematic character I think was Sarone, played by John Voight in Anaconda. There's just something about John Voight playing a Bolivian <laughs> that just yeah. rubbed me the wrong fucking way. <laughs> yes, yes. Well. Yes. I mean, I mean, I think, yeah, the, the fact that that casting happened and then also just the way he played him right. on top of it. Yeah. He really just like totally leaned into that very like cartoonish accent. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just like, uh, I, I mean, I mean, really, it's like, uh, unfortunately, it's just like if, if you are a white actor and you are put in the position of taking that role, like really, you should just say no. <laughs> like, yeah. You should just not take the role, period. Um, but the fact that he took that role and then also just that that was the final product, like it, it just <laughs> it, it felt. Yeah, it felt just like such a very weird caricature that 
did not age well at all. And, yeah. and again, I mean, uh, it's kind of a blessing that I forgot most of what happened in Anaconda. <laughs> so I appreciate you bringing that back to my attention. Like that was just such a icky performance. Um, what else do I have on my list? Um, as far as like scenes, um, I picked one scene that we we spent a lot of time talking about this scene because on the one hand, we both agreed that it was a breathtaking scene. <laughs> and whether you want to say breathtaking in a positive light or negative light, I'll leave that up to you. But we both agreed it was a breathtaking scene, a very well-written scene, but also an incredibly, uh, incredibly unsettlingly problematic scene. And that was the Sicilian scene in True Romance. I think we spent like 30 minutes just talking about that scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, when and and actually, I mean, I think I think that's an interesting one too because um, there's there's a similar there there is a similar exploration of that idea in the movie "Do the Right Thing" because right. you have that that scene where um uh, where the character played by Spike Lee, I'm blanking on his name, um, Mookie. Mookie, where he where he uh, where he talks about like you know common ancestry between Africans and Italians yeah yeah um and and so it's like it, it's interesting like the difference in terms of yeah or like yeah the fact that both of the scenes are are like are like you know playing with those similar ideas but like yeah what what really strikes me as just so much more like problematic about the true romance scene is that obviously it's coming at it from the sense of like from from like it's it's also just playing into really toxic ideas about like african sexuality and right. and playing into like you know the the idea of of almost like you know like kind of like white cuckoldry in a way and and stuff oh, yeah. like that so um and and so yeah and 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 sort of like the idea of like how how disparaging that is and yeah and, uh you know like the worst so, the worst way the worst thing he could think of to insult a sicilian was to tell him that he count that he come that he has black blood inside of him exactly yeah so so yeah it's it, it's much more coming at it from from the idea of like yeah the, the purity of white bloodlines mm-hmm. and stuff like that so so yeah the the the, the way true romance handles that that concept is 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 very off and and i'm not sure there's a remedy for it and and again it's like that's that's quentin tarantino in a nutshell right, too because right. like you know he's he's always writing he's always writing characters who are low lives and who are like you know blue collar white americans and also like white crime people so like he he writes a lot of racism into those characters anyway it's not like they're meant to be it's not like they're meant to be sympathetic characters anyway, or like he's necessarily trying to explicitly endorse those viewpoints. But also it's like the fact that he relies on those tropes and those ways of talking about race consistently through his filmography, you know, that, that, that bears a bit of examination. And it's, um, and it's a really, and it's a really brilliantly written scene, like the way it it builds and the back and forth, the dynamic of power. It's just that the content is so, you know, reprehensible. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing, and 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 that's the thing is that I I think yeah, as as a screenwriter, Quentin Tarantino is brilliant, and also I just think like on a technical level, both as a writer and as a director, he is very good at building of tension, mm-hmm. and and like he is absolutely at his best when he's like writing those long scenes in which you know there's going to be an outburst of violence right. and then paying that off. Um, so, so yeah, no, he's, he's, he's absolutely skilled in that regard as like a suspense filmmaker. It's just, I think he, I think he, he sometimes needs to, he needs, he needs to develop a more complicated viewpoint 
around how to talk about race in his movies. Yeah. That's not just like, hey, these are scummy white people. I'm going to show they're scummy white people by just writing very broad racist things. Yeah. Like you have to yeah, d- develop a little more nuance about how you how you depict that kind of racism um, for sure. Um, what else do you have? <laughs> Um, uh, another scene, uh, there's an, uh, another scene, which, which I think actually can almost be described the same way. I thought this was the scene you were going to bring up, um, uh, of a scene that's like very, very well constructed, but also very unsettling is, um, the, the, uh, the, the home invasion and rape scene in A Clock. Ah, um, yes. which, which, yeah, is, is like very technically well executed. Right. Um, but I also just had so many problems with it in terms of just like how how rape is used mm-hmm. because it 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 sort of comes off as like almost like emotionally manipulative right in terms of just like yeah, there's just something about like yeah the the way that's used and the way that's depicted that just it, it just really rubbed me the wrong way it's because kind, it's, I think it's kind of played humorously. Well, yeah, there's there's like there's a dark humor to it. I think it's but 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 also I think my problems with it have more to do with just a broader issue that I had with um with the films with the film's kind of core thesis about the nature of violence and right. like the nature of criminality and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And 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 I think the film is kind of rooted in a very flawed idea of like what 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 ails society in general mm-hmm. um and and so i think be, because obviously it's like you know and i talked about this more in our episode but like how like you know i think it's like the you know crime and violence happens in society mostly due to like you know decaying conditions in a community and right. due to like a lack of resources within impoverished you know population sets like that's what causes violence and so this film is kind of going with this idea of like oh no their society just has bad eggs and these bad eggs will act out and 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 even then the extension of like oh and sometimes they go around beating people up and they go around randomly raping people when it's like well actually no more rape occurs between people who know each other, right. not by vicious gangs in the streets. So. And, how, and how do you rehabilitate it? Like that's, you know, like that, that's another thing. It's like, uh, it almost seems like the movie's like, well, free will is more important than rehabilitation almost. Well, yeah, exactly. And and that's the other thing too, is that like when it starts from such a flawed premise about like what, <laughs> what the problem in society is and then goes like, ah, but then, but then at what cost do you rehabilitate people? And it's like, well, no, like let's actually go back to what the root causes are to begin with yeah, instead of, fix instead the of just going with this idea that, you know, crime is just a bunch of smart, privileged psychopaths. Right. Like, Cause that's not what crime is. Crime right. is, crime is a product of like actual societal desperation from governments that don't take care of its citizens yep. like so yeah um and 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 there and there could have been a more nuanced story about society and about the questions of like at what cost a society will you know maintain order um and 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 i think and i think like it's a very skilled film it's a very good film yeah and, technically and also, brilliant yes yeah and 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 even though it's built on a flawed premise i do think that the way it still explores that premise is also very brilliant and mm-hmm. very well executed it's just that i think that it it doesn't age well in terms of 
in terms of what its initial diagnosis is. And 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 a lot of those problems kind of stem from it. And then also just like on top of that, the rape scene just kind of feels exploitative because again, it's, it's very just much this so. weird senseless act of violence that's just chillingly executed and 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 but but really only seems to be there for the purpose of just like you know putting putting women you know putting nameless women into these awful traumatic situations for you know a certain amount of titillation and and fascination of its audience so that that stuff kind of left me rubbed the wrong way yeah i i think the uh, we when we were talking about it we uh we actually talked about how uh, uh kubrick's intellectual approach to the movie uh, is really kind of what um, makes it feel weird like that because because it's almost because he does that the same with like the earlier scene too when there's like the woman the nameless woman that's about to be raped in the in the in the abandoned theater and then yeah. there's the clash between both of the gangs um yeah and it's and there's like you know there's classical music and again it's technically brilliant but but Kubrick is is still is still applying a very leering camera lens and showing you like the nudity and everything yeah. happening but but it comes across like he's trying to he's trying to present it as a very intellectual viewpoint of that and so it's kind of yeah. i don't know that that's what rubs me the wrong way it's like it's not it's not an inner earnest approach to trying to show like the ills of society it's yeah it's almost like he's he he's like well i have a point let me get to it but first let me titillate <laughs> you with this yeah, no, I think that's a really good point, and and you know, I'll say that like I I I'm not super familiar with with Kubrick's work in a very deep way, um, so so I I think that's something I'd be curious to see about his other films too, because I think like there's you know th- that's that's what I wonder about too about this kind of like intellectual detachment idea mm-hmm. and. Um, and about how viable it is. Cause also I think it's like, you know, there's, there's probably this, this impulse that it's like, well, yes, you can, you can approach this thing from purely intellectual, logical, detached thing, but it's like, well, yeah, except you, you're still bringing a specific viewpoint to what you're showing us. Like, there's no way you're going to be able to present a film that is completely devoid of like a specific viewpoint. Right. And uh, so, so yeah, I'd, I'd be curious to see how that how that extends to Kubrick's work in a broader way too. Because um, again, I think there's yeah, there's a lot of brilliance to his work. Yeah, but, um, absolutely. But 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 yeah, there's there's you know always always opportunities to to chip at chip at the pyramids of old <laughs> uh, upon which our our cinematic foundation is built. <laughs> All right, so that does it for our three special GSV segments for this episode. We're going to wrap things up now by presenting our first annual GSV Awards, also known as the Schlockies. The Schlockies. <laughs> We're very I'm, <laughs> I'm very excited about this. Very yeah, exciting. yeah. I, I, I almost, I almost wondered whether I should clear like what my selections were with you, so that we should pick different ones. But also, I am going to be curious to see whether we pick similar things in each of our categories. Or yeah, not. I think, I think it's better to go on uh, blindly without knowing what we picked and and surprise each other. Absolutely. So here's the way the schlockies are going to work. These are six awards total. We're going to give out awards for worst. Female schlocky performance, worst male schlocky performance, best 
female schlocky performance, best male schlocky performance, worst schlocky film, and best schlocky film. Now, these aren't necessarily, they don't have to be films um, that are good or bad in terms of quality themselves, just in terms of like how we reacted to them. Um, there might have been a very good performance in a very bad movie, or they mm-hmm. might have been maybe like a good schlocky movie that is actually objectively bad, but maybe encapsulates everything that we love about schlocky movies. So yeah. as we go through these awards, we're each going to give them out, and we're going to kind of talk a little bit about why we felt this person or this movie deserved this award. So to kick us off, uh, Ned, who do you have for your pick for worst schlocky female performance? Um, well, uh, but uh, before I present this award, I will <clears throat> give a, a, a slight caveat that like similar okay. to what you were saying about, um, you know, about how it's not necessarily about best or worst, but also, really thinking about how schlocky the performance is and yeah. how gratuitous yep. it is. Mm-hmm. So because because we've definitely seen a lot of bad acting yes. in, in this season, <laughs> for sure. Yep. So what I was going for with, with my worst categories was, um, a, as far as the actors were concerned, is... Um, is is performances that I still think they they really put a lot of thought and really threw themselves into and really gave us something very committed, mm-hmm. but also just in in spite of the big artistic risk that they took, it didn't pay off and still ended <laughs> up being a not good experience. Um, so so I want to give that caveat that like good. The, these selections are 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 a are are a selection of love for yep. these performers and 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 I and I admire the work that these performers did. Um, so for worst schlocky performance by a female actor, I went with uh, Elizabeth Berkeley playing Nomi in Showgirls. Um, I think that in, in a way there, 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 like it was, it was almost like there, it was almost like there could have been a few subtle tweaks Mm. that could have actually made it like a great, a great performance in a way, in in a very great schlock masterpiece. Yep. Um, I think that like, it it really sucks that this performance just like completely tanked her career. Yeah, Um, it does. And and especially because it was such a big risk in her like gambit to like, you know, transition out of the shadow of her teen acting career and into a more serious adult career. Um, Ultimately, at the end of the day, in spite of the commitment, like I don't think you can deny that she she gave a very committed performance. Oh, yeah. It's just it's just I think that that where it fell short was that it just it felt completely out of step with the rest of the movie. Mm. And like even though there were not a lot of good performances in the movie across the board, her her presence on the screen just ended up feeling so kind of like jarring and sort of alienating and like there was never there there were very few opportunities for the audience to ever sort of like be let in on her performance yeah. and 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 I think that's unfortunate because uh, I think with just like maybe a little more vulnerability the script could have totally flipped and it could have been like it could have really been like a great great performance um so yeah I think she executed I think I think she put in a lot of work for it she you know 
you know, exerted a lot of bravery in terms of just like how often she was fully exposed. Um, she's a skilled dancer. Um, there were a lot of great things about it, and she offered a lot of great things for the role, but ultimately it just really fell short. And and the movie rested on her shoulders at the end of the day. And so it just it it really missed the mark. I, in the final balance. I agree. I agree with everything that you said. So much so that my pick for worst performance by a female actor was also Elizabeth <laughs> Berkeley yes! in Showgirls. <laughs> Elizabeth Berkeley, we love you. We, we love, love you, you, Elizabeth Berkeley. We love like, you so yes. much. I, I agree with everything you said. I, I feel like uh, be- because her performance was the central performance, um, that's really what what makes it suffer um, in terms of and, and and I I don't I honestly don't know how how you fix it I I don't want to say it's it's a a matter of skill or a matter of like you know maybe the director didn't give her what the the tools that she needed to bring out of this performance um, because if she had only like sunk her teeth a little bit more into the camp. Um, maybe it, it could have gone one way, but if also if the movie had stepped away a little bit more from the camp, then maybe her performance might not stick out so much. So it really isn't, it, the movie could have gone one of two ways and her performance could have gone one of two ways to to fix it. But I agree with what you said with just a few tweaks here and there, that performance could have been something great. Um, and it could have been legendary, but for all the right reasons, <laughs> instead of instead yeah. of legendary for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So on the other flip side of that, who do you have for best performance, best schlocky performance by a female actor? Uh, for best schlocky, gratuitous performance by a female actor, I give the award to Firuza ba- oh, Balk, sorry, mm. uh, who played Nancy in The Craft. Um, her entire presence in the movie was so arresting. Um, it's clear that she was fitting into, like, you know, a, a somewhat well-worn trope of, like, you know, badass you know, badass teenage high schooler who's very nonconformist and also has a troubled past, but, like, she just has this completely arresting presence. Mm. Um, I think also that, like, the more we find out about her home life and the trauma that she experiences and how that informs her whole worldview, um, the more we really are just let in, though, on just, like, the richness of her performance. And I also really love how... As the film kind of transitions into its third act and becomes more of a, like, good guy versus bad guy witch power story, Uh she she turns up the dials in terms of like making her performance all the more unhinged. And so while I think that I'm not sure I liked how the film ended and, and sort of the direction it went with that, I think she still really did a great job of like matching that build in intensity and really just playing this like completely unhinged, crazy character. Mm -hmm. So it was just a lot of fun to watch on a lot of different levels and um, was just really, really well executed and just really, really fit in with the, film as a whole um 
and uh and and yeah it was done with just a ton of skill uh really compelling um i i i, I wish there was a lot more of her career to see like because i yeah it, it doesn't look like she's been in that much and um yeah i thought she was so great in the craft and, but she's uh, also she's always very interesting even even like her, fir- her first movie role in return to oz when she was a little girl that's a really interesting performance so i i mean i agree feruza balk is is great as nancy downs um, that's a that's a phenomenal performance. It's really hard to pick for me. Like you know, I th- I feel like in a way I I love all of these schlocky performances. So it was really hard for me to pick just one. I th- I thought that the best were were actually harder to pick than the worst. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for me. Yeah, I agree absolutely. Uh, so I went with Lori Petty uh, and Tank Girl because <laughs> I absolutely adore her as Tank Girl. The movie does have a lot of issues, but her, uh, and and we both um, kind of disagreed about her character. But I think that her performance, her go for broke chaotic energy, is fantastic. She hold, she holds her own very well in a world full of powerful men. Um, she never once feels like a victim ever in that movie, and it's and every scene that she's in is played on her own terms, and that is definitely Lori Petty's strength coming through. And the way that she her quips just fly off the, like effortless, effortlessly, like she could teach James Bond a lesson or two with the way her quips fly off the. the, the. So I really, I really love uh, Lori Petty and Tank Girl. I, I appreciate that pick. Like you know, I, I would say that she she almost was uh, she was almost a runner up for for my worst performance pick, honestly. Uh. But but I will say that like I think that again it comes from that place of admiration, and also because ultimately at the end of the day, even if there even if I wasn't fully on board with the performance, I do think that um she absolutely fits into the world very well. Very and, well. And, uh, and, and it's a part of the chaotic energy of the movie. So ultimately, at the end of the day, I do think her performance is a big part of what makes Tank Girl such an interesting movie. So um, I think that's a really great choice. All right. Who do you have for worst schlocky performance by a male actor? Uh, this one I am giving over to Stephen Jeffries, who plays Ed in Fright Night, <laughs> as well as Evil Ed. Um, and, 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 and I want to give some, like, serious, uh, props to this actor because he, he went through so much painful makeup shenanigans <laughs> during the production of this thing, including literally getting his mouth accidentally glued yep. shut by the makeup crew. Um, and, uh, he... And 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 I think that like he he is he was so clearly going for like a very specific kind of like jarring best friend role yep. that you see in a lot of like eighties teen movies like teen comedies and what have you. Um, for me, like I think he did it with gusto, and also I think that he did do some interesting stuff as he kind of turned into evil Ed. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, ultimately at the end of the day. It was less endearing and much more jarring and much more nails on a chalkboard <laughs> and just he I, I think he he never found that right mix um, and and so at the end of the day it just it was it was it was a little too grating for me to endure for too long um, but I but I do I I do have a lot of admiration for the gusto with which he he went into that role even though ultimately I just really did not like it. Uh, by by the end of the film. I do remember how much you hated that performance. Um, And and it was one of the the moments uh, during our season, I think like one of our our starkest 
um, uh, differences of opinion that we had because <laughs> I Fright, Fright Night is one of my favorite 80s movies. I love everything about it and I actually dig Evil Ed as a character whereas for you it was like the complete opposite. You couldn't get far away enough from, from Evil Ed as a character. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, but, but again, a lot of admiration for, for, for how, how much he sunk his teeth into it for sure. Um, would, would, you say, I, would you say that that character uh, lessened your ability to enjoy the movie? I don't know. I mean, I think the movie as a whole actually had a lot of cool stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 I think I have to give that one a rewatch um, in order to better evaluate it. Because um, I think there was a lot of really interesting stuff. Um, it did have like a really great performance um, in the form of... Chris the, Sarandon. Yeah, Chris yeah. Sarandon. He, he does give a phenomenal performance in it. So I, I think on that basis alone, I'd be willing to watch it again. Um, I, I don't know if Ed's performance necessarily completely drags it down. Yeah. I think for me, it's just more... Uh, I, I think I think what what ultimately makes the worst category what, what ultimately makes it to the final selection for the worst category is kind of how out of sync the performance is with mm. the rest of the film, and so I think that in Ed's case, it just it it ended up feeling very jarring I and see. just sort of pulled me out of the film. Yeah. Um, whereas I think like there are many bad performances that are on the absolute same wavelength as the film and are a part of the film's overall aesthetic. So mm-hmm. even if the performance itself isn't that great it fits in with it so i think in his case it was more just like he 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 really swung for the trees and it just ended up being uh, weird, yeah, a weird alienating experience for now, me. Personally. Now we didn't, we didn't. Uh, you bring up actually a, 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 an interesting tangent point that I would just want to throw out there really quickly. We didn't mention him during the boob tube segment, but honestly, I, Chris Sarandon. Uh, Probably the sexiest performance the entire season, if I'm being honest. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That is very fair. Um, he, yeah, he, he, he has some fucking piercing eyes and some fucking finely chiseled jawbones mm-hmm. for sure. Um, and 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 yeah, him, him as a vampire is you know just <laughs> it, it's it's a lot. It is a lot in a good way. Yeah. So all right, I'm, I'm with you there. So my pick for worst. Uh, schlocky performance by a male actor uh you could actually say this is probably maybe also the most disappointing schlocky performance by a male actor was sir ben kingsley in blood rain (laughs) i'm i'm so glad you said it uh do go on because when you have sir ben kingsley in your movie you expect him to make interesting choices. You expect him to have some fun, maybe, if he's in a bad movie. What you don't expect him to do is to basically sit on the throne on his ass for two hours and say everything in a monotone and have, like, no um, emotional connection to any of your lines or feel like you're having a good time at all. Um, And then at the very end, when you're in your big epic fight, against blood rain you actually you know expect maybe to get into it a little bit but instead he just sort of like stands there and lets her lets lets everyone like defeat him pretty much with it was it was a very it was a very wet blanket performance for me and it was very disappointing the movie is terrible but here's the thing (laughs) i i feel like because i was thinking about like maybe giving it to michael madsen 
um, in the same movie, but at least Michael Batson has this like weird drunk energy. <laughs> like in the movie, like Ben Kingsley had zero energy in that movie. Zero energy. I'm like, what the, what the fuck are you doing in this movie, Ben Kingsley? Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I hear you. I hear you. He he was he was a runner up. He was he was absolutely a runner up for worst. And 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 because I feel like you 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 should have done you like you should have known better. You should have right? done better. Like you know this. You're you're you you are a fucking professional. You are a fucking sir. Like be be better. Um. So I I I think that's a wonderful choice. Especially because like in the same movie you have Billy Zane who is not on the same level as Ben Kingsley, but I think his performance was a lot more fun because he actually bought into the campiness of it. You know. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Um. So now we're moving on to best schlocky performance by a male actor. Who do you have, Ned? <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, I think um, in, in a way, uh, this 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 selection of best, you know, it, it, it could have been a good opposing pairing with uh, Sir Ben Kingsley's performance, <laughs> uh, because I think this best performance is an example of a great actor in a schlocky film uh. who, who really makes the most out of his performance and does so while completely staying on the film's wavelength, mm-hmm. but also just giving a stunning performance, it goes to Frank Langella ah. playing Skeletor in Masters of the Universe. Ah, so um, good. I, I think, if, for starters, he gets tons of bonus points for giving this striking performance while literally covered in right. fucking skeleton prosthetic makeup. And yet he still just, like, has this piercing gaze. Mm-hmm. His voice is just so full of menace. Uh, he has he infused the role with pathos. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and 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 again, it's like, it's not just that he really, like, you know, maintains this incredible gravitas and presence as Skeletor in the midst of this shocky film, but, like, he does it and it never feels out of place. It right. only yeah. adds to the film. Um and he brings his knowledge of Shakespeare to bear in it. Uh, he, he is just, the he really, <laughs> yeah. He really, he really just he he contributes to the film in a way that like gives it a little more staying power than it would have if they just kind of had a a more banal mm-hmm. regular schlocky mm-hmm. performance. So I think it was a stroke of brilliance having him in it. I think he really just. He really just lent himself to it in a fantastic way. It was a phenomenal performance. Um, Frank Langella, well done. Thank you for making that movie better than it could have been. <laughs> I completely agree with your assessment there. Um, Skeletor was, again, the best performances are really hard for me to pick, and Skeletor was definitely up there. Um, I feel like the one reason why I revisit that movie so often as I do is because of Skeletor, uh, Frank Langella as Skeletor. Um, he is brilliant in it. Um, but I went a slightly different direction. I picked a very strong performance in a strong movie, but I thought that this actor, when I really thought about it, this, this actor was probably my favorite performance of any movie that I, that I saw like all season hands down. And it's Kevin Klein as Otto in a fish (laughs) called Wanda. There's just something utterly brilliant about how he plays this this 
imbecile, this idiot who just thinks he's the smartest person <laughs> in every situation, but he plays it like with gusto, energy, and completely buys into it, completely earnestly. Uh, Otto is not putting on airs. Otto actually believes <laughs> that he is very smart and capable. That's the brilliance of it because at every single turn, every other character in the movie continues to shit on him and show him time and time again how he's actually the dumbest motherfucker in the movie. But poor (laughs) Otto keeps forging on. And that earnestness in that performance... I mean, that's that's hard. That's really hard to pull off. And and the way that he does it while doing ridiculous shit like like speaking Italian or doing weird O faces, like his his commitment to to this level of zaniness and earnestness is bar none. So well done, Mr. Kevin Klein. The Oscar was well deserved. <laughs> very, very a very well deserved schlocky, to be sure. All right. <laughs> Now we're coming to the final two awards. The big ones. The ones everyone has been waiting all night with bated breath. Absolutely. Every single one of you. All of you <laughs> listeners. Who the, the will many t- millions of you. Who will take breath. home the prize? <laughs> uh, we're going to start with what was your pick for worst schlocky film, Ned? <laughs> Um, this, these award choices, I think uh, there, there was a little more emphasis on quality to Mm, be sure. Um, I think, you know, there's a bit of schlockiness to both, but also I think that, um, but, but also I think that in many ways I held myself back from uh, quite a few of the actor choices in both the best and worst categories, Mm -hmm. specifically because, by honoring these films, I honor the films as a whole, including the performances. Right. Accordingly. Um, for worst schlocky film, uh, Blood Rain. Because it was just, it was just <laughs> such, it was just such a mess. It was just such a huge mess. It was so sloppily done. Yep. It was so poorly filmed. It was so poorly written. It, it, it really just suffered from a lack of anything approaching thought or ambition. Um, and 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 it just it, and 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 it seemed to be even lacking in the joy of like making a schlocky bad film. It had so many bad actors, mm. so many bad performances, um, especially Sir Kingsley, um, <laughs> who who again was almost a runner-up for my worst performance. Um, it's just there there is very little redeeming anything about mm-hmm. this film. Um, I feel for everybody who had to be involved. Um, I, I, I throw the blame, blame solely at the feet of you bowl. Yep. I think, um, yep. I, I think it is fully his fault. So I, I don't mean to disparage anybody else though. Again, I think Ben Kingsley, you could have done better. Um, <laughs> you, you could have brought a little more of yourself to it, but at the end of the day, I think it just like you, the, the monumental failure does not get any greater than the failure of this film. Um, blood rain, what the hell? My mind, my mind is still reeling from just like what a surreally bad film it was. What is um, up with this movie? What is up with this movie? It, it inspired, it inspired a whole new section that comes out for the strangest of the strange films because that one was just such a bizarre, uh, 
such a bizarre uh, coming together of sheer terribleness. Well, I agree with everything you said. In fact, my pick for worst uh, schlocky film was also Blood Rain. <laughs> I, I, I had a feeling. I had a feeling. <laughs> I mean, um, for everything that you said, in addition to what you said, for completely, for completely missing the mark on how to adapt a video game, but also completely missing the mark on how to adapt a vampire movie, completely missing the mark on how to make an action movie, completely missing the mark on how to shoot a sex scene. Uh, there's so many missing of the marks. Um, I, I gave the award for worst uh, performance by an actor to Ben Kingsley. I almost gave the award for best um, performance by a female actor to Michelle Rodriguez. Um, the, the, and, and I almost gave the award for best act for worst actor to Michael Madsen. I mean, the movie is just bad. It's just bad, 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 bad. Um, it's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Probably like bottom three worst movies I've ever seen. Um, the, none of the none of the shots go anywhere. None of those epic shots of them going through the mountains mean anything. Um, none of the scenes mean anything. Have any emotional resonance to them? There's no payoff whatsoever. The movie ends, and I immediately forget what fucking happened in the movie. <laughs> the, the, I mean, it's just terrible. It's just terrible, terrible, terrible filmmaking, and I never want to see that piece of shit again. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. No, and like, I, 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 I mean, I'm, I'm shocked it wasn't one of my worst quizzes because I remember that quiz being particularly brutal. Yeah, the trivia because because I, I, there, there were many trivia questions that that surrounded basic, very clear events that supposedly <laughs> happened in the movie. Right, and I was and you were like, what? State of, yeah, I was just like in such a state of denial of like these basic facts that clearly happened in the movie and I had no recollection whatsoever. It was just so mind blisteringly awful. Um, so well, well met, well chosen. All right, here comes the big one. Oh. What was your pick for best schlocky film that we saw this season? Um, this film was not only the best schlocky film of the season. It was, I think possibly just the best film of the season. Uh, it was my personal favorite. I was if, if there was one thing to pick that I was grateful for that we did this show, it was because I discovered this film through it. A Fish Called Wanda ah. was just such a joy from beginning to end. Mm. Um, you, uh, clearly a comedy first, you right. know, having the pedigree of the, you know, of the Monty Python alumnus, including John Cleese's writing mm -hmm. and performance. Um, but it just like, it, it delivers on all of the hallmarks of the schlockiness that on which we've been evaluating these films. It's mm -hmm. got so much great violence. It's got so much great sexual tension. Um, it even has great problematic humor in yep. the form of its yep. reliance on stutter humor. Um, but it also just really... It, is, is just such a fantastic whole package. Um, it's just so funny. It's a comedy that stands the test of time. It's genuinely suspenseful. Um, you have so many amazing performances by John Cleese, by Jamie Lee Curtis, by Michael Palin, right. by uh, Kevin Klein. Um, Kevin Klein could have won my best male performance. Jamie Lee Curtis almost won my best female performance. Mm. I decided to hold back those awards just to make sure I got a chance to talk about other movies. But mm -hmm. like, seriously, just like such a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful film experience. So much fun. Um, 
it, it just is so great and I was really happy to see it. And uh, so that that gets my that gets my vote for best schlocky film of the season. Uh, I mean, A Fish Called Wanda is a classic. I laugh hysterically every single time I saw it. I, I even told you the first time that I watched it ever as a teenager was probably the hardest that I've ever laughed in my life. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and it's, uh, it's a movie that I watch often because it just brings me a lot of joy uh, to just watch these these awful characters be zany with each other. <laughs> it's 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 brilliant, and uh, and so I, I really I really love that movie. So great pick there. Um, when I was picking for best, I actually thought about it very very similarly. I was thinking about which one was my favorite viewing experience um, during the course of the season. Uh, because I obviously we watched great movies. We watched Vertigo, Do the Right Thing. Those are, you know, great, objectively great movies. But I wanted to, to similarly to you, something that, that was still vibing with the general um, theme of our show, but also just bringing it on, on every level. And which movie was it that looking back I could I, I can't wait to watch again and so I gave it to The Descent um, mm. The Descent was one of those movies that's very low key there's not a lot to talk about like you know, you know the performances are, are awesome but there's not one performance that stands out you know it's a very ensemble driven sh- uh, piece and and uh, so I think that it, it really goes under the radar a lot uh, but in terms of what the movie does, um, how it creates suspense in close quarters, how it explores the relationships of all of these women, um, and and how it's how it's very much a female centric movie, and is true to that, and is not exploitative at all. Um, and then when the horror kicks in, how genuinely terrifying and suspenseful the movie becomes, and how the ultimate men- uh, the ultimate messaging of how Sarah, the main character. Um, let's go of her grief and how the movie is really an exploration of grief is brilliant on every level. The technical achievement of the movie, um, you know, the, the, the lighting, the shots, the, the pacing of it, uh, the music, even everything was very economical, nothing superfluous, uh, the, nothing wasted. Uh, it, it, it's just a movie that works on every single level. And, and I remember when we both watched that movie, which was actually the second time in a row for me, but the first time ever for you. And I remember like, we, we just had, that was very early on in the season, but we just had like a really great conversation just about how, how that movie just worked. And, and those are the types of movies that I love to watch are movies that we can just have like great conversations about. Um, so my pick was the descent. That's an excellent pick. It was such a phenomenally good movie. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was like almost a runner up for me. Um, but like in a way it, it was almost too good for me to, pick. right. Like, right. I felt like I, I had to, I had to do something like a little schlockier <laughs> for my pick. Um, but, but it really was just such a phenomenal film and just really, uh, yeah, a great film to talk about really like, you know, on the edge of my seat mm-hmm. for the whole thing. I'm like almost unable to breathe. Like, yeah. and, and, and very few films, even horror films, let alone, um, you know, ever get me as ever, ever, got me as like just like gripping my chair handle as much as that movie did um it was so well done um so i really really like that pick um thank you 
Thank you. And and thank you, Ned, for taking this journey with me this season and watching 41 films and talking about them with me. Uh, I'm sure, I mean, you stuck with me even among, even in the worst of times, as they say. Uh, <laughs> yeah, if I made it through Blood Rain, I mean, like, I think what, <laughs> the, 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 the future is, 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 is ours for the taking. <laughs> so the way that I always think about it is like, you watch a bad movie and yes, it's a bad movie, but that just makes the good movies even better better absolutely i i agree with you there um this has been just like a really great season um i i feel like there is so much that i've learned about uh just about like uh you know so many different genre origins um you've definitely given me much more much more uh horror know-how um something that i definitely came into the season Mm -hmm. with very very little uh first-hand knowledge of um and and i'm really glad to have come away with a much better appreciation for that genre and and for just learning so much more about like many of the great films that like inspire the current generations um so yeah it's been a really great season i absolutely am eager to do more seasons in the future for sure and uh, hell yeah. yeah yeah so ned final thoughts gratuitous sex and violence is it a bad podcast is it a so-so podcast a good podcast a great podcast no words what do you think <laughs> gratuitous sex and violence is a schlocky podcast. it is such schlocky. a mess it is all over the place uh these hosts are crazy uh they're out of their mind their their taste is problematic at best and at worst um no it it, it has been it has been a genuine pleasure um uh yeah this 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 has been such a a terrific show um and uh all all of all of our choices have been great i think Mm -hmm. um i i am so glad to have seen all the movies that you've picked i hope you have liked all the movies that i've picked i have yeah uh yeah i i think i think there is there is so much more to see in the future there is Um, so much more we hope to see you we hope to have you uh watch more movies uh again and we hope that y'all out there will join us for future uh episodes future seasons where we watch more schlocky movies and play trivia and dissect them at length. Until then, mm-hmm. once this pandemic is over, hug your loved ones, sit them down, and watch some movies. Thank you, everybody. Stay safe out there. I hope we're going to have some gratuitous sex and violence. You guys always bring me the very best part. No relationship, no emotion, just sex. Just sex. No relationship, no emotion, just sex. I hope we're going to have some gratuitous sex and violence. Just sex. You guys always bring the very best part. I hope we're gonna have some gratuitous sex and violence. Just sex. You guys always bring the very best violence. No relationship. No emotion. Just sex. You guys always bring the very best violence. Just sex. I hope we're gonna have some gratuitous sex and violence. Just sex. You guys always bring the very best violence.